Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, now all of Locked On. So what is going to happen with today's show? Well, we're going to talk about Jose Tenya. I've been meaning to sit down and discuss uh, what he is doing in the AFL, talk about why the AFL doesn't matter that much, but why what he is doing stands out. Uh, I know you're probably going, so you're going to contradict yourself. Yes, but... No, but yes, um, you know, we'll get into all of it and I'll explain exactly what I mean. But at the core of it, uh, a lot of times we are a little overhyped by the AFL and what's going on. It is a hitter's league. Uh, you expect a hitter to go out and perform very well. At the same time, uh, due to it being this, we tend to get a little bit overhyped in general about performances. For instance, you know, the big talk right now is Jose Tenia is... Tenya has a chance to win the batting title if we go to 2019. Winner of your batting title uh, and, you know, of course, future star Andres Jimenez, who may not even have a starting position with the Indians. Uh, Alec Baum was number two. Royce Lewis, who's been hurt and unable to establish himself in the majors. Three, Brandon Marsh. Four, also still trying to establish himself. Five, Geraldo Perdomo, trying to establish himself. Seth Beer. Uh, and Kyle Isabel tied, and Jared Olivier, who's been traded and yet to establish himself. Coming in at 10th, uh, Ernie Clement. Coming in at 12th, Logan Warmoth, who has been uh, available in the Rule 5 draft about three, four years in a row. And if you're like me going, well, average isn't the best stat. Let's look at OPS. OPS leader Andres Jimenez. Number two, Greg Deachman, who the Athletics traded away pretty cheaply at the deadline this year. And you got Lewis at, Royce Lewis at three, Baum four, Marsh five, Jamani Jones, who the uh, the Angels gave away very cheaply this past year, Jared Olivier, who we talked about, Kyle Isabel, Alfonso Rivas, who we talked about on the Sleepers episode, Fidel Brujo, and the 10, Logan Warmoth there again. So, yeah, and you can go down further, uh, see a lot of guys who have not lived up to their potential. I'm kind of curious what happens when you click on the 2021, because there was not a 2020 Arizona Fall League. Uh, as far as I know. Uh, but the reason why you're like, okay, so you, you've made your point. Let's not get too excited about what is occurring. I think I just broke the website by clicking on the 2020 data. Tenia is hitting 442, 537, 558. So 442 average, 537 on base, 558 slugging, five doubles. Uh, he is killing the ball, uh, doing some really amazing things. The reason why you are a little more excited about this and about what he is doing. Uh, and the reason, I mean, honestly, it's like when Jimenez played, I totally broke this by clicking on 20, uh, 2020. Uh, I'm going to go back now. Uh, is his age. He is young relative to the group. He is less has had less experience facing this type of level of competition that a lot of the other players are. So you do, it's okay to be excited. It's okay to take what he is doing and think, you know, he has raised his value because he has. Uh, I'm not going to sit back and say, no, his value is exactly where it was when the Fall League started. That's not the case. They sent him there to see how he could perform. And all he's done is perform exceptionally well. And we're hoping he'll continue to. Now, I still think that more than likely than not with the situation that this team is in, uh, this is a way to, uh, he has increased his trade value. You know, before this, I was totally up for the whole idea of let's trade, trading for Ian Happ straight up. And then today, if you're following me on Twitter, I got into a little bit with Cubs fans because I was like, well, I think Happ for Tenya isn't enough. 
If you go over to the very flawed trade value site, Hap has a value of zero. He doesn't have any trade value. And if you're like, okay, then why do you want him? Because he is better than what the Indians have. And his splits data is very strong. And, you know, he has a history with the Indians hitting coach. And he definitely started to look better in the second half. But consistency has been an issue. Now, I say that his career OPS plus uh, is a 111. His career OPS is an 805. He's had some really high highs. He's also had some really low lows. Uh, you know, there's there's going to be the things that hold him back, um, but he he should be a proven major league performer. It's just I had to laugh when I saw that he finished 18th in the MVP in 2020. I was like, oh, that's like he was good. I don't know if he was that good to get votes. Um, it's just so inconsistent. I don't know what you do with him. I don't know how you grade him. I mean, his most games in the big leagues, one is this past year at 148. And yeah, I still don't really know what he is. Is he an above average starter? To the people out there, and I do get this a lot, like he's, you know, he's not that good. You know, is he really an upgrade? Yes. Yes, he is. Have you been watching the Indians outfield? He is undoubtedly an upgrade. Again, Career OPS of 805. Find me someone in the Indians outfield who's had an OPS over 800 in the corners. He's a clear upgrade. Let's let that's just silly talk. So let's move beyond that. Yes, there are bigger names, but sometimes some of the people bring up aren't necessarily better names. But the other side is he's a pretty bad defender. Consistency has been the issue. Uh, he's going to be worth like 6.5 million in arbitration. He's getting expensive, and you get him for 22 and 23. He's only a two-year guy. This is not a long-term acquisition if you get Ian Half. He is very limited in terms of his value because it is the two-year player. Uh, I think, honestly, with the way Tenya's played, he's just... He is now... And, and the problem right now is, I will say, like if you go and you look for him, he doesn't count. He's not qualified. Uh, he does, hasn't had quite enough at-bats to be uh, qualified for the batting title. Uh, he's, at, he's at 48... And he needs, I think he needs to be in the 50s. Technically, Drew, uh, Drew Torkelson, Drew, uh, Spencer Torkelson and Joey Weimer, former Cincinnati Bearcat, Joey Weimer, by the way, uh, have higher batting averages, though they're at 20 and 30 at bats. Uh, sorry, I was just looking at some of the other names here, some friends from the past. Uh, Tenya doesn't have any home runs. He does have the doubles. We talked about him. Mean, he's he's playing very well for his age, and that's why you get excited. That's why you look at the data and go, this is interesting. This is a guy who uh, has gained value over the course of this exposure out there. Uh, in terms of you know who else the Indians sent out there, we'll talk about them in the second half of the show. We'll get into the, the other fall league players, see how they're doing. Has anyone else... No one's raised their stock as much. That is for sure. What, what he has done uh, has been fantastic. It's been better than anyone could have hoped. But I, I just can't get away from the fact that I think that all of this is done to increase trade value. That was my thought from the beginning. That is still my thought now. I think he has done a lot to increase his trade value. And like I said, to the point where I'm like, would I trade him straight up for Ian Happ right now? It's such a loaded question. And there is an issue in that. Like, yes, you get Happ. For, for Tenya, but Tenya really wasn't a guy you're counting down to the 40 man. You almost need to expand it. Talk about maybe Roman Wicks, uh, who Rowan Wicks, who when I brought up the Cubs fans were like, we can't trade him. It's like, you guys, he's 29. This this Cubs core is not going to be good for his core. I know he's been uh, you know a recent addition and he pitched well, 
he's not part of that team going forward. Or is there a bigger trade to also get Contreras as a rental? Now, a rental would be unusual for the Indians to pay for, but if you did something like all Rule 5 types, then maybe there's some logic in there. Or if it's, I mean, I don't know what to make of Ethan Hankins, and with him having been hurt, like, you you can trade someone who's hurt. You know, teams have accepted hurt players in the past. It just doesn't happen very often, but it's like, do you consider trading like a Hankins and uh, a Tenya and maybe like a Joey Cantillo or something along those lines to get Contreras and Hap? Does that, is there a logical part that makes sense there? Possibly. Uh, something like that where you're getting three for two could make sense. Uh, but, you know, I will just go ahead and point out, it's like the Indians need to add relievers. Wicks is interesting in that regard. And uh, I don't think the Cubs are married to anyone because I think they know that they have a long rebuild. It's the same reason that you know I talked about, like a bigger deal with Patrick Wisdom and Ian Happ would make a lot of sense. You could have Wisdom playing outfield and you could have Happ playing outfield. You could make them your corner outfielders. I think when we looked at the, the data for Wisdom, it's like his sprint speed's really, you know, actually pretty strong. Uh, even if you move him to first base, he's likely an upgrade. There is a deal that could be had. There's a deal that could make sense. And there is a deal where you can trade multiple pieces out that are, uh, you know, clearing up some of that 40-man space issues. Uh, The Carter Hawkins knows the system well. He has players he likes. There's a way to make that deal work where, you know, if you're going to likely lose two to three players to the Rule 5, which right now looks likely, like right now with what we're projecting with Steve Kwan, Jose Tenya, Joey Cantillo, Connor Pilkington, all off the Rule 5, like it's very likely they'll lose at least two, maybe three players. It's better to trade those guys and see if you can't, uh, you know, to get some value. Now, the downside is if you go out and you make a trade and you're adding two players, then that means there's two more players you have to take off your roster. So maybe it's you make a deal like that, and then it's also, also a Mercado that goes into the deal. Maybe he's like a third piece because there's something, you know, there's some ability there. There's some chance you could get him to, uh, you know, if you can get him to be a league average bat with his defense, all of a sudden there's a lot of value in that. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about just the whole center field situation, what I think people are missing in segment two. We'll also talk Oscar Gonzalez extension then and all of that. But first, let's take a quick commercial break, then come back and uh, talk about some outfield. And that first sponsor is Built Bar. Let's see what Built Bar has going on right now over at their website. Coconut Brownie Chunk is back. That is a top five flavor for sure over in Built Bar land. Coconut Brownie Chunk is back. It is funny to look at the chat. I know I often reference the group chat, but the comment that a lot of people made, and I didn't realize this, is a lot of people who don't like coconut and don't like the coconut bar still like the Coconut Brownie Chunk. Uh, It is universally loved. This is one of those flavors that everyone enjoys and loves. Get it while supplies last. You can also still get Strawberry Puff and Paranormal Pumpkin Puff. That has been my favorite of late, my go-to. Coconut Marshmallow Puff. And then they still have the Blueberry Muffin, the Cherry Lime, and the Mystery Flavor, which is always on sale because it's a mystery. Uh, It's all great. It is all delicious. I recommend it all. You can't go wrong with Built Bar. I had, it was my lunch. I had a Grasshopper Fudge with the Paranormal Pumpkin, and uh, I'm, I'm not buying more until I get through my supply, but I love Viltbar, you will love it too. Go and use the promo code LOCKED15. It is the best tasting protein bar on the market. That is not up for debate, that is just the truth. If you try it, you'll agree with me. Head over to Viltbar.com today. Remember to use that promo code LOCKED15. 
So I noticed some confusion today. So the Indians re-signed Oscar Gonzalez, and I paused there because uh, it's not what you're thinking, and it honestly probably doesn't change anything in terms of, I don't think he gets added to the 40-man. I don't think he's up for debate with that. And yes, he could 100% still be taken. What this means is he would have been a, a free agent, essentially. He had six years, so if they didn't add him to the 40-man, he'd be a free agent. He chose to come back. He's comfortable. He has an opportunity here, and uh, he'll probably be added to the players that because remember there's the multiple phases like they took Chris Roller I think was the the guy who was the center fielder who played double A uh, you can lose players in those phases and the Indians did last year they'll add him to that protected group and essentially what will happen is he is a player that if things go wrong in the outfield if there's an injury if there is a lack of production he'll get a shot in the early part of the year they're not worried about his service time. He's not a priority player. He's not a priority prospect. But what he has done has made him impossible to look past, beyond, and through. Uh, he is that perfect guy that if you need a bat for like two months and you don't want to start an arbitration clock on one of your top prospects, Oscar Gonzalez. It's like, let's see what we have. I know what you're saying. <laughs> They've not even done that with the guys like Daniel Johnson, who we thought were priority prospects. But again, this sets them up to give them that depth, that option to do that. Uh, I think he'll see the big leagues at some point. It's always easier to move guys around during the big league season. Baseball is a wear and tear game. Someone is hurt. Someone can get shuffled. It makes that 40 man. It's just so much easier to manipulate in general. Uh, but let's talk some center field. Now we talked about Oscar Gonzalez. I know some people have fan or huge fans of his. It is a profile. I don't know how it's going to be successful, but I also don't know how it is remain successful. Like I look at that profile and I'm like, at some point you think he is not going to, you know, it's not going to work. Being that swing happy is going to fail him, but he's just continually moved up and up and up. Uh, so we'll have to see. Uh, you know, I'll be curious. Uh, bet against him is, betting against him is probably not the best idea, but who knows? So I mentioned before that, you know, everyone's like, let's just cut Mercado, let's just cut Zimmer, let's move on. And I'm like, I don't know if they're going to do either of those things. Now, I think Harold Ramirez remains the one who is most likely to get moved on from, most likely to be designated for assignment from that grouping because he's a bad defender and he doesn't play in center. Mercado and Zimmer are both above average defenders in center. Zimmer is an excellent defender in center. And just to give you an idea, if we look at just center fielders on fan graphs, qualified center fielders... Uh, there were 13 last year in baseball. 13 players that played primarily center field that would have qualified for the batting title. So it's not a big group. Now, if we look at the fan graphs metrics, there's only, you know, I counted it and already forgot. Uh, in terms of, D, you know, guys with uh, positive defensive values, we had seven. Seven of the 13 are strong defenders. In terms of how many of those seven are... You know, it runs created plus over 100. Let's not even take 100. Let's just go over 100 and have a positive defensive score at Fangraphs. Two. Starling Marte, which is part of the reason if you look at Fangraphs, I think he's going to get four years, 20 million a year. So four years, 80 million in total. Uh, and then Enrique Hernandez in Boston. Uh, the next best, you have Adolces Garcia, who, again, the second half collapse was huge there. Miles Straw, Randall Geerchuk, and Michael Taylor who is well below with the bat, but defensively might be the best of this group. 
So just looking at it, it's it's not an easy position. Let's drop jump over, drop over, no, let's jump over to StatCast. Look at Baseball Savant. So there are 28 players when we look at center fielder who had a war, had a outs above average above zero. Uh, three of those guys do not primarily play center field. So you have 25 hitters at that point who have a value who primarily played center field with a value above uh, zero. Now, if you go even further, let's like Zimmer is 12, but he's got two players ahead. Of him. He's essentially 10th. And that's the thing, like Enrique Hernandez, who I mentioned before, he, I mean, he plays a lot, he plays all over. I'm kind of curious to look at his game logs. As a matter of fact, when I was saying that, I should have gone and looked at his game logs just to make sure center field was his primary position. But I feel like, you know, he plays like left and center and second. So, and I'll be honest, if the Indians weren't facing the Red Sox, I wasn't really watching the Red Sox that much this year. So if he had eight games at short, uh, didn't play, played 93 games in center, nine in right, and see, where's the second base data? 47 at second. So primarily a center fielder, but I mean, it still plays all over. Uh, so yeah, he, Zimmer would be, you know, if we, we count Hernandez, uh, you go down that list. And so that makes Zimmer uh, basically the 11th best defender by outs above average. There's value in that. Again, teams can't find center fielders. It, they don't grow on trees. When I talk with other podcasters, like, well, what about Zimmer? Is like a throw in or an extra piece in a deal. And, and that might be his value. That may not be a huge value, but if he helps you get over, you know, the hump, that final piece that's like, okay, let's just make this deal. There's logic to that. There's a way that works, uh, and there's value to that. It's, is it huge value? No, but that could also be why he's sticking around. Uh, I was kind of curious to look at Mercado. I mean, he was a, you know, viewed as a potential plus defender. He was talked up that way as he was coming up through the system. Now, he played mostly left field on his call-up. Um, I'm pulling up his stats right now. But he can handle center. And that's, you know, it's, it's a limited group who can handle it and be at least an average defender. And I feel like pretty safely he can be at least an average defender. I'm trying to quickly pull up his data in terms of uh, fielding here. His outs above average uh, for all of 2021 was... Two, so he's a positive, uh, a one and a one in each uh, for right and left field. Uh, you go back to 2019, that year he debuted. I mean, that's that's really the huge year of success. He was a five overall and a six in center. That's strong, especially for his limited number of games. Problem is, he just never really approached it offensively or defensively since then. And you go back and you look at uh, 2019. Oh, that's a spray chart. That's from 2019 data. And you can see why it was not sustainable. Like, he, he doesn't barrel the ball well. He doesn't hit the ball hard. He doesn't walk. He doesn't strike out either. He doesn't chase. But he doesn't... He is a contact hitter. 100%. All of his value comes from contact. And the problem with that is it just leads to a high degree of vari variability and leads to a high degree of... Uh, no control over what's happening, especially when you're more of a ground ball guy. If you are just a contact and play ground ball player, it's not going to be pretty. And I think that's something we have seen with Mercado. And it's something, it's interesting because the Indians are looking at this type of hitter. And 
Uh, we'll have to see if it's successful, if this approach works long-term. They're going for contact players. But it does feel to me that there needs to be a secondary skill. And that's why I'm not always as high on some of the prospects that other people are higher on in terms of you know, great contact ability. It's like, what else can they do? Because when your primary skill is the ability to make contact, yes, it gives you opportunities to succeed at a high rate, but it is also something that is a lot more luck uh, determinant. You have a lot less control over that than a lot of other um, abilities and or skills. We're gonna take another commercial break, uh, come back and continue to get into it. And that sponsor is betonline.ag. Instead of reading the copy, no, I mean, the copy gets old, right? Like, that's, that's just fair. Let's go see what's happening over at the website. Let's let's see what their big things are. The return of NCAA basketball. Uh, they have a limited-time Bitcoin boost right now, live betting, free play, uh, you know, all sorts of additional information that you can hop into bet online and go make your bet today. What is your knowledge base? What is, how, what is your area that uh, you feel you know about? I've given you guys three times what I felt super confident and those three times have all come through. Uh, so occasionally here on the show, you even get good advice if you listen to these bet online minutes. Baseball season is over though, so I don't have <laughs> that like real confident thing to give you. Uh, how about poker cash game leaderboards? Collect weekly poker bonuses for your game activity. So if you can make that, you'll get paid just for playing well and making leaderboards. Uh, if this looks good, if you want to do sports, live betting, casino, racebook, poker, esports, contests, go to bet online today. Use the promo code Locked On for this one. And with that, you will get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Who doesn't want additional money to play with? Go to Bet Online today. Uh, check it out for yourself. So many things going on. Anything you want, you will find at betonline.ag using the promo code Locked On. So I know it's kind of vague. What are we going to get into? Well, let's just talk about who is playing and doing what in the winter leagues. I've got the stats in front of me from the Indians themselves. Uh, I want to thank them. For sending that to the reporters out there so let me tell you tracking down stats for a winner and uh you know international play not always the easiest thing so thank you to bart swain who uh is media relations and sends those out so let's let's just talk about it um you know there are guys like you know jay rodriguez uh, i'm assuming it's jonathan rodriguez because that's the outfitter from carolina Four at-bats in one game in the PWL. Uh, you know, and I didn't really sit down to look at it because that's such a small sample size. It's not worth getting into. Anthony Ghost and Jose, uh, or JC Mejia, I should say, are out in uh, the Dominican. But 3.1 in three innings. Again, not worth getting into. Uh, Arizona Fall League has had a little bit more of a buildup. They've got multiple players out there. We already talked about Jose Tenya, and actually before we get there, there is one more player we have to discuss, Brian Rocchio in uh, the Venezuela Winter League. He is from Venezuela. He is putting up numbers comparable to Jose Tenya's. It's not as good of competition. It's a similar sample size um, with some similar production, uh, higher on base, lower slugging, which is interesting because Rocchio, or I'm sorry, Higher on base for Tenya, higher slugging for Rokio, who's uh, who's got two home runs and five doubles in roughly the same number of at-bats uh, to the, just the five doubles for Tenya. So he is he is also raking. Uh, that's going to be one of those prospects I just missed on. Like, you know what? I get some wrong. I'm going to be wrong on Rokio. Uh, I'm going to be 
dead wrong on Rubio. It's, it's going to be a big miss. Someone to not miss on Richie Palacios. We get so focused, and, and Tenya's been great. And he's, you know, obviously there are reasons why we should be very excited with what he's doing. But it is interesting when you go in and you look at Richie Palacios. Uh, I mean, he's he's got a 949 OPS. His slugging, for a guy who, you know, the talk is there's not much power there, he's got six doubles and three home runs in 65 plate appearances. Uh, his slugging is higher than uh, Tenya's. His on-base percentage is significantly lower. And that's because his batting average is significant. You know, he's hitting 292, which is good. Tenia's at 438. Uh, <laughs> gives you quite a difference. Uh, in terms of walks, they actually have the same number of walks, but that is more games for Richie Palacios. But uh, all this is just to say he's getting overlooked, but he's been really good, and he really should get a chance to be a break-the-camp type of guy for the Indians next year especially if they don't go crazy and don't add a whole lot of uh, depth. He should get every opportunity. Uh, let's see your other Arizona Fall League batter, Michael Amadidis, the catcher, uh, 36 play at-bats, and it's not been great. 13 strikeouts in that time, 139 average, 225 on base, 139 slugging. Ugh. Yeah, he's, he's a defense-first guy, but this is uh, he's being offensively on offense. Pitching, uh, not been great, but as I mentioned at the start of the show, uh, pitching in the Arizona Fall League is almost never good. Like, I, if a player is very young, like Jose, you get, you're allowed to get a little bit excited. Uh, if it is a pitcher excelling, you're allowed to get a little bit excited. If it is a hitter with a history of success in the upper minors, you're not allowed to get excited about the Fall League. That, those are the rules. That's how this works out. Uh, so for the Indians, uh, they have four pitchers. Uh, Cassetta Stubbs, who came over in the Bowers deal. Again, 11th round pick, so that means he, he was a valued pick. That 11th round is, the 11th round is typically a player or a prospect that has higher value than I would argue most players taken in the 7th through 10th rounds. He threw one inning in Arizona. I'm not sure exactly what the health issue was. He's thrown 7.1 in Arizona, so we don't have a huge sample size. Uh, but, you know, that's, what? 22, uh, 22 outs recorded, eight of them by a strikeout while uh, walking six, uh, allowing four hits. Uh, has not given up a run. It, it, performing okay in a limited sample, but can't really judge seven and a third innings if we're being honest. And that's kind of the problem. Aaron Pinto, not been pretty. Uh, nine, eight, we talked about him as this was an interesting send because... He's going to be, he's rule eligible for the Rule 5. He performed really well in the minors. Uh, could, you know, it's like, could he be an option for next year in the bullpen? Potentially. <laughs> you always wonder if, like, they sent him out to Arizona being like, yeah, no one pitches well in Arizona. Let's just d tank his opportunities to get taken. And, yeah, nine and a third innings, he's given up 16 hits and 10 earned runs. That's right. More, or, I'm sorry, nine earned runs, 10 runs. He has given up more runs than he has pitched innings, and the hits have been coming. And when you add in the six walks, that's 22 base runners in nine innings. That, that's not good. And only nine strikeouts, which is, I mean, nine isn't that low, but uh, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> and Tanner Tully, Tanner Tully arguably is the best performing of the Indians pitchers. He's got 17 innings, which is more than almost the rest of them. It is more, no, it is almost more. The rest of them combined, not quite. But he's, you know, he's only given up a 3.14 average. Uh, I mean, Cassetta Stubbs is the the starter who's doing the best. Tully has actually been a starter. Everyone else has been a reliever. 
Uh, that's why he's got his 17 innings. But he's getting he's giving up five home runs in those 17 innings. Um, this felt, like I said at the time, like Tully is an organizational soldier. Ohio State pitcher, lefty, has pitched all up and down for them. This felt like a reward. Go out, pitch in Arizona, get some more looks. Um, you know, if there's a chance for you to to catch on somewhere long term and get that opportunity to go to the majors, like let's let you go out there and see this. Like I said, this was purely, it felt like a reward. This wasn't like Jose where they're trying to increase t uh, trade value or Stubbs or Amadidis where there was, or Matt Turner we'll talk about in a second who were hurt or Pinto where we just want to get a deeper look. This felt like a reward. Uh, <laughs> the performance has not been a reward for him. And again, you take it with a grain of salt because everyone hits well in Arizona. If you don't hit well, that's a concern. But uh, pitching-wise, if someone goes out and really... I mean, that might be where you look at Cassetta Stubbs and you're like, I know it's seven and a third innings, but like... And I know he's walking guys, but they're not picking up his stuff and he's missing bats. Like, there's that's a positive. He's the uh, definitely the most positive in this group so far. Tanner Tully, not great. <laughs> five home runs in five games and 17 innings. That's just... That's not going to be great. The Matt Turner, you know, we talked about him very briefly a moment ago. Injured lefty, another former 11th uh, round selection. Uh, seven two-thirds innings, 11 runs, 14 hits, three home runs, just four strikeouts. At least Tanner Tully's got 14 strikeouts in his 17 innings. Uh, Turner's got a 389 average against the highest. Uh, he's coming back from injury. He's rusty. They wanted to get more work for him. It hasn't gone great. Uh, he was... You know, he and Raymond Burgos, who were hurt, where if you go back a few years, it's like my helium guys were Lavastida, Cody Morris, Turner, and Burgos. And, you know, I'll take 50%. I'll take, I will definitely always take a 50%, especially when you're talking helium, because I'm looking at guys in the lower minors, talking about how they could ha make an impact in the upper minors and eventually in the big leagues. So I'll take that, uh, even with Turner struggling here. At the AFL, it's, it's limited reps for everyone. You're just trying to get opportunities to go out there and see players. Uh, Palacios and Tenya have made names, but it is always under the caveat that, you know, it's the Arizona Fall League. Everyone hits. Um, don't get too, too excited. Accept uh, that it is a positive, but don't, don't think this means that, like, future stardom is necessarily awaiting just because of that performance uh, there. I, I always caution it, and then I feel like every year... Uh, <laughs> Hiram, I love your passion, but Hiram brings some stat about someone who performed. Oh, this guy hit 400 in the AFL. It's like, yeah, and, and I should write this down. So in three years, you can be like, hey, I remember when you told me this guy hit 400 in the AFL and now he's out of baseball. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it occurs. It happens. It is an, it is a well-known high offensive league. And it is also, I've talked about, and I believe on this very show, it's like part of the reason I'm starting to ding hitters from Arizona and Arizona State when I do draft reviews uh, we're seeing less success for those guys. It doesn't always translate as uniformly because it is a hitter-friendly environment. Arizona is a very hitter-friendly environment. We see that in the stats here. But again, get excited about what Jose is doing. It is great, uh, especially for a player his age. And hopefully, just you know, keep increasing that trade value. Let's 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 go out and bring home an Ian Happ. Let's go out and uh, you know, if the Reds are really just chop shopping. You know, all of a sudden, it's like maybe Jess Winkler makes sense. Uh, you know, we didn't even really get to talk about, we'll save for tomorrow, we'll talk a little bit Franmil Reyes and what's happening with him and why that is a, a net positive for the Indians going forward. We'll see if there's any other news. I mean, there are 
we've had a free agent signing. We've had a trade. We've had uh, you know minor league releases from the Tampa Bay Rays, including uh, a old friend alert. So we'll we'll talk about those tomorrow and a player that a lot of people wanted the Indians to draft actually. So. Uh, I'll talk about some Tampa Bay releases. I will talk about Framel Reyes. I'll talk about more on tomorrow's show. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps our show grow. I've been Jeff Ellis of the Locked End Indians podcast. And as we say now, go, go, Guardians, go.